You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. Health Canada is calling it a milestone moment, approving a new COVID-19 vaccine today, targeting both the original strain of the virus as well as the specific Omicron variant. That approval comes as we get our latest round of weekly COVID-19 numbers. There are 306 people in hospital in BC. 25 of those patients are in the ICU. 33 more people have died and we have 651 new confirmed cases over the past week. And health officials have maintained vaccines are key to our protection against COVID-19. And now that green light for the first shot specifically targeting the highly contagious Omicron variant. So let's bring in our Keith Baldry for more on that. Uh, Keith, Moderna's Omicron COVID booster should be available here in BC soon. I know a lot of people have been looking for it. Oh, a lot of eager anticipation for this. This is a new vaccine from Moderna. Uh, they call it their spike vax bivalent vaccine. Again, countries around the world are approving this use. It seemed to be particularly effective against the Omicron strain. Health Minister Adrian Dix walking us through the timeline here. About 10 million doses arriving in Canada in September. BC's share of that first arrival, about 130,000 of them. And he talks about how this is going to roll out. To start with, we're, we expect to get the first uh, Moderna uh, vaccine, bivalent vaccine, towards the middle of next week. And so that's when, and next Tuesday, we'll be announcing, laying out in detail what our expectations are, when we expect to get it, in what amounts, and then, uh, and then our plan to give it to, make it available to basically all British Columbians over 18 uh, uh, in the fall. So Health Canada, the Food and Drug Administration in the U.S. and other health agencies are approving this vaccine because it's seen as particularly effective not only against the original COVID-19 strain, but also against the B4 and B5 Omicron viruses. Dr. Supriya Sharma from uh, Health Canada, the Chief of Medical Advisor, walking us through that today. We know that this vaccine also generates a good immune response against the Omicron subvariants BA4 and BA5 that have more recently emerged. This booster is also intended to extend the durability of protection. This will help us face the next waves. So the advice from health officials right now, Sophie, is that if you haven't got your third dose, which is your first booster, go get one now. Don't wait for this particular vaccine to come to BC. Uh, but if you're waiting for your fourth dose, which is your second booster, the advice is to wait to the fall. Uh, this vaccine should show up in increasingly large numbers throughout September and October. So get your third dose now if you haven't got it. Wait for your fourth dose if you can. All right. Thanks for that, Keith. Well, just a week after the B.C. government announced an interim funding increase for the province's doctors, many family physicians have been raising the alarm about another funding problem. As Aaron MacArthur reports, the doctors say substantial amounts of MSP payments have been withheld. And we're working with the doctors of B.C. to enact transformational long-term changes. It to was a big, splashy announcement. The health minister and doctors of BC laying out the framework for more than $100 million to better compensate family doctors in this province. I'm going to look into your left eye now. A bridge until long-term funding can be sorted out. It's an interim solution to help stop the bleeding. A week later and social media is awash in physicians flagging a lag in payment, demanding answers from the government. MSP withholding payment is nothing new. Doctors have often found portions of their billing not paid on time. The money usually shows up, 
But sometimes, months later. Like I've looked at my billing sometimes. I was like, oh, like say August. Oh, look, I got, I just got paid for that visit I made in April. Okay, cool. This latest billing cycle, however, seems to be worse than usual. Doctors reporting they weren't being compensated for up to half their patient visits. Green Party leader Sonia Furstenau says this ongoing issue with MSP needs to be resolved. There needs to be a shift in the culture away from an assumption of mistrust of doctors. And they shouldn't have to fight to be compensated for the work that they're doing. There was a glitch that affected some doctors. That glitch is being corrected. Doctors will, will be fully compensated for the work they do. According to doctors, it's rare to get an explanation of any kind. And some say it's enough to potentially affect doctor recruitment to BC. Doctors are hanging by the skin of their teeth. It's not going to encourage a lot of the younger doctors from uh, pursuing family practice. According to the Ministry of Health, doctors will see the money they are owed by the middle of September. Aaron McCarthy, Global News. The Integrated Homicide Investigation Team has identified the man who died in an altercation in Newton on Wednesday. RCMP were called to an area near 141 Street and 61st Avenue for a fight yesterday afternoon. One man died and another was taken into custody. IHIT says the victim is 40-year-old Manbir Mani Amar. He was a local filmmaker well known for highlighting the issues around gangs and guns. At one point, he was working on a project about Maple Battaglia, the young SFU student killed at the Surrey campus. He had also appeared in several global news stories. I had saying his death was the result of an isolated incident between two neighbors. No charges have been laid, but the suspect arrested yesterday remains in custody. Police are asking any witnesses to come forward. The daughters of a murdered Vancouver Island man have filed a civil suit against the Correctional Service of Canada. They say prison officials were negligent more than three years ago when two men escaped from a nearby minimum security facility and allegedly killed their father. Kylie Stanton reports. He was uh, very much a family first person. The photos tell the story of a father there for every milestone, big or small. He gave so much of his time and his affection and his his love to us, and we were very, very lucky. But three years ago, the lock ran out. Getting that call was obviously the worst moment of my life. <laughs> In July of 2019, Martin Payne was murdered at his Machosan home, located just eight kilometers away from the William Head Penitentiary, where two inmates, Zachary Armitage and James Lee Bush, had escaped. I had seen the story in the news, and I remember reading the story. Um, and then when I realized the connection, um, I think nothing can prepare you for that. Armitage and Bush have since been charged with first-degree murder in Payne's death. The criminal trial is expected to begin this fall, but the sisters have also filed a civil claim against the Correctional Service of Canada, alleging CSC and its employees and agents acted with negligent disregard for the circumstances, including the significant possibility that the inmates would escape from a low-security facility. We're hoping that we're able to shine a light on systemic problems here that led to an obvious tragedy. The two inmates escaped on July 7th around 6.45 p.m., but they weren't detected missing until the 11 p.m. headcount. CSC notified the public by way of a tweet the next morning, just shy of 12 hours later. The pair would spend more than two days on the run 
before being arrested. We are really seeking answers. We want the people and the systems that led to this to be held accountable to their actions. And we want to make sure that it doesn't happen again. None of the allegations have been proven in court, and the CSC has yet to file a response to the civil suit, but did refer Global News to a 2020 Board of Investigation review of the escape, saying all recommendations made in the report have since been implemented. I don't think anything will change how we feel, because obviously nothing will bring our father back. It's devastating. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. A pleasant surprise at the pump just in time for the last long weekend of the summer break. Gas prices have fallen dramatically. They're down as much as nine cents a liter since yesterday in some areas, sitting at $1.88 a liter at most stations in Metro Vancouver. That is a pretty significant dip from the record prices of $2.36 a litre back in June. And better still, one expert thinks it could drop another cent by Friday, possibly even more over the weekend. I think markets are misreading uh, fundamentals. Supply is not there and demand is still very strong. So I think they've underestimated the fundamentals and that's why we've seen such a dramatic drop in price. It's another number. I see it change all the time. It's significant, but uh, it needs to be lower. You know, there's room to go lower. Glad it's nine cents, not two cents, but uh, hopefully we'll get it lower. Kind of crazy. It's fluctuating all the time, up and down. Well, fill up. And enjoy it while you can. McTague thinks prices will go back up after the first week of September. Everyone's a critic these days as online reviews become more popular. But tonight, a cautionary tale about a negative review that apparently went too far. The court case that'll cost the writer a pretty penny. Lots of them. That's next on the News Hour. In, in a few seconds, they changed my life. An Ontario man recounts being attacked in his own driveway while his mother, who saved him, gets an award for her bravery. That's later. Also ahead. It's on fire. What is going on here? An alarming sight in Vancouver early this morning. More on this fire burning alongside the viaduct later. Right now, though, a new B.C. Supreme Court ruling serves as a warning to anyone thinking of posting negative reviews of a business online. As Amadagahi reports, one man's negative review will cost him big time. After 40 years running his family business in wood products and nearing retirement, Brian Jenkins knew he could not go out this way. Not the legacy that you would want. Which is why he decided to take a four-year dispute with a disgruntled customer all the way to B.C. Supreme Court. It's devastating when somebody's accusing you of, of criminal uh, actions. It started when a friend told him about negative online reviews for his business from an unhappy customer named Tyler Ginther. The permanent reviews online accused the company of scamming this customer out of thousands of dollars. The Jenkins found this to be detrimental to their reputation and set out to prove it was not true. The allegations themselves, though, were vicious. They were very nasty. And the fact that they were completely um, detached from the reality of what happened, we felt we had a strong case. The reviews were on Google and Yelp, complaining about things like late delivery, overcharging and fraud. In trial, after reviewing evidence, the judge agreed with the company owner ruling the majority of the claims highlighted here were false. 
I find that Mr. Ginther was not a credible witness, said the judge in the ruling. Mr. Ginther acted with malice when he posted the Yelp review, and he admitted that his intention was to harm the plaintiff's business. It's been a horrible experience. Uh, we're just we're glad it's over, and uh, we're glad we've been vindicated on this. In the end, the judge awarded general and aggravated damages to the owners and the company, totaling about $90,000. Now, we've reached out to the lawyer defending that customer who posted those online reviews, but have yet to hear back. The internet is not a refuge for people that want to post false statements. Post false statements at your peril, you can be sued, and you'll have to pay. I think this case was a very good lesson to all of us uh, that, you know, for us to vent our frustrations online, you got to think twice. In this case, the Jenkins say the lawyer fees and the time spent fighting this in court were significant, but worthwhile when compared to a business and personal reputation they consider priceless. Well, we've been 40 years of, of what we think has been doing the right thing. Imadagahi, Global News. Just ahead, rising rate anxiety. On a $500,000 mortgage, you can see a payment increase of $500 a month. Bracing for the Bank of Canada's next move. And later, after so many devastating wildfire years in BC, why there's cautious optimism as this season winds down. Some financial analysts are predicting the Bank of Canada will once again raise its key interest rate next week. Stressful situation for those up for mortgage renewal. With more on how to cope with surging interest rates, let's bring in Consumer Matters reporter Andrea. And thanks, Sophie. For those homeowners, especially those on a fixed mortgage who locked in years ago at a very low interest rate, the new reality of higher interest rates can be more than a little daunting. But experts say if you plan ahead and take a hard look at all your expenses, you can look at opportunities to save. Mortgage specialist Angela Kalla expects the Bank of Canada to raise interest rates again this month. We're hearing 75 basis points to a full percent. And that could mean sticker shock for homeowners up for mortgage renewal. People are going from being in fixed rates of 2% to the high fours and even fives. So on a $500,000 mortgage, you can see a payment increase of $500 a month. That increase in monthly payments, coupled with high food and gas prices, can make the cost of living even more difficult, which means having a mortgage strategy is vital. Don't wait for your renewal date. Get a rate hold in now. Do not just sign the renewal with your existing mortgage lender. Go to an independent professional that can review all the options because you may want to look at extending your amortization if your new payment increase is not within your budget. For those on a variable rate and are wondering if they should lock into a fixed rate, Calla says you need to assess your risk tolerance. A variable rate mortgage, you should review the discount you have. You should review your financial plan if you're planning on moving or making any lifestyle changes in the next five years and you should understand what a fixed rate option is today. This is Either way with mortgage rates likely on the upswing credit counseling experts say it's a good time to take a hard look at reducing non-mortgage debt. It's all about trying to calm the waters and look at your entire financial picture and look at all the opportunities to manage change some things and as we advocate that, look at modifying your, your expenses, but not drastically changing your expenses. Is it expensive credit card debt? Could we consolidate that debt at a lower rate, lower monthly payment? 
And we advocate doing that only once you've got your monthly spending under control first. Whether that's eating out less or going down to a one-car household, looking at the best ways to reduce consumer debt will help protect yourself when rates rise. And mortgage professional Angela Calla also says you don't have to wait until your renewal date if there's a better mortgage strategy available to you. She says each mortgage, even if it's a fixed mortgage, should be reviewed every year. Also, if you are currently on a fixed rate with a low interest rate and have four more years to go, Calla recommends making payments based on today's higher fixed rate, and that will help pay down a mortgage substantially. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right, thanks, Anne. A battle over a major development just outside Penticton is heading back to City Council. The controversial housing development is proposed for the Naramata Bench, one of the Okanagan's most popular wine routes. Canadian Horizons wants to build 111 homes on a large parcel of land. And even though that is scaled down from the original proposal of more than 300 homes, many local residents are still opposed. Would really ruin our uh, value as a tourism region. There's the environmental, there's the loss of agricultural land. We just don't think a suburb belongs out here. The Naramata Road, really narrow, um, and it's dangerous as it is already. Uh, and to put all those homes that they were requesting originally, uh, to me, it was exorbitant amount of, of housing, even though we need housing in Penticton in the worst way. The developer has now presented a new application that follows existing zoning for a mix of country residential and mobile home park zoned areas. City staff will review the new application over the next few months. Coming up, beating the odds. How lucky is he to be alive? Extremely lucky. The close call that nearly claimed one of our own and the quick teamwork that saved his life. Plus, the victim of this brutal attack speaks out how he has his mother to thank. An alarming sight near the downtown Vancouver viaducts early this morning. Yes, it is. A tree on fire near Maine and Pryor. Vancouver fire crews say they responded just before 1 a.m. 12 members were on scene and quickly got water on the flames to contain it. The fire is still under investigation. Major recognition for a Brampton mother who scared off three people viciously attacking her son with an axe and machete in the family driveway. He was badly injured and faces a long road to recovery. Shalima Maharaj has more. You see my right hand is uh, five times. They cut it from here. Then they're here and two fingers. I lose my big toe. Jyoti Singh mom's recollection of being ambushed in his driveway by three people, all wearing masks, wielding an axe and a machete. I think they tried to steal my car. They keep uh, attacked on me and with the machete. The road to recovery will be a long one for mom, who's a well-known podcast host and real estate agent. He tells Global News he has around 180 stitches. Video shows him being pulled from his Jeep early the morning of August 4th by three suspects. I'm the only one person uh, in this house who's, who's earning and uh, in, in a few seconds, they changed my life. I don't know 
why they changed my life. On Thursday, mom's mother was given a special honor at Brampton City Hall. Come to honor you today. For the bravery she showed, running from the house toward the attackers, throwing a shoe at one point, scaring them off. Jasmine Cormon, to come up here can present our Heroes Award to you. She put her own life at risk to, to save her son, and that's extraordinary. Um, and that's why we're honoring her, because I, I think she showed courage and bravery and um, you know, an example of, of being a local hero. Just Melkor Mom told reporters she saw three men on their property in their surveillance camera. She says that's when her instincts kicked in and she ran outside. She says that, you know, who are those people that could be so inhumane uh, that were cutting up her son as if he was a tree or in some object and not a human being. Well, the federal government is investing almost a million dollars into protecting wildlife in the Atkatsum Howe Sound Biosphere region. The funding comes from Canada's Enhanced Nature Legacy Program and will be used to protect the abundant biodiversity of the area, which is more than 200,000 hectares of land and sea and home to 39 at-risk species. Working with their conservation partners, including local First Nations, the hope is to increase Canada's protected biosphere to 25% of our country by 2025 and 30% by 2030. We are very happy that this important work led by the Atkatsum House Sound Biosphere Initiative Region Society and Squamish Nation is being recognized by Canada. This funding is a good first step towards recognizing what we can do together if we are paddling together in unity. And we all have to pull together more than ever before to ensure continued good health of our lands and waters and all life that calls this region home. The Akatsum House Sound area was recognized for its global significance last year, being made a UNESCO biosphere region. It is home to thousands of land and water species and unique and fragile glass sponge reefs. Well, record returns are predicted for salmon this season all along the West Coast, with one notable exception, the Fraser River. In fact, test fisheries for the region are abysmal, and that has reopened the debate over the impact of fish farms that once populated the waters of Discovery Passage. Paul Johnson reports. For anyone concerned about this state of wild salmon, there was encouraging news up and down the coast this summer as sockeye returned in some places in record-smashing numbers. Well, we've seen in 2022 strong returns like extraordinary returns in Alaska, Bristol Bay. We've seen record runs to the very far the south of the range in the Columbia. But the situation on the Fraser River is a different story. Test fisheries predict the total number will be down by as much as 40 percent. BCIT fisheries scientist Marvin Rosenau suspects part of the story on the Fraser is this. Well, we see a pretty tight correlation with the expansion of uh, fish farms in the Discovery Passage area. Fraser sockeye that are returning now would have swam out to sea at a time when a number of open net fish farms were operating in the Discovery Islands, a route taken by many of the juvenile sockeye, and a place where conservationists have long believed they get infected with sea lice and mouth rot disease. I think there's uh, a good body of evidence that suggests that Fraser sockeye at least were impacted 
probably buy fish farms. Well, those farms were removed as part of the federal government's plan to minimize contact between wild and farmed salmon. The debate over the total effect of fish farms continues, with the industry saying multiple studies have been clear. All of those reviews have failed to show any links between salmon farms and the returns of wild salmon, and, you know, despite what is being pushed out in the media. The Salmon Farmers Association also point out that their farms were there for a long time, in high and low years for sockeye. While the critics concede there are likely multiple factors behind this year's situation, they expect that the mystery of the Fraser River's missing sockeye may become clearer in coming years. Paul Johnson, Global News. Well, it is rare that we do a story about one of our own, but this one about Global BC cameraman Cliff Shim needs to be shared. An after-work run led to a near-fatal health episode, and his survival is nothing short of a miracle. Catherine Urquhart has a story we are all grateful to tell. Being able to go for another run is among the many things for which Cliff Shim is truly grateful. Considering what happened, the 44-year-old global cameraman shouldn't even be alive. Technically, Kath, I did die uh, for about 30 minutes there. Uh, so coming and talking to you guys and having a chance to, you know, be here. It's, it's not lost on me how lucky I am. He sets the pace. During a late night run in April, the married father of two suffered a cardiac arrest. His dog Bowser ran off, returning with help. That good Samaritan then performed vital CPR on Cliff. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, man's best friend, you know. I, I, I believe that what happened was he would have been seen by the bystander as a dog with a leash and no owner. And naturally that bystander would have been, hey, dog, where's your owner? And looked around and, and eventually spotted me. Soon after, at St. Paul's Hospital, his lungs started failing. At 2 a.m., an urgent call was made to their specialized ECMO team. I rushed up to the hospital. On my way up, I called in all the team members, the nurses and uh, perfusionists who help us uh, run this pump, which keeps the body alive. This is the lung, this is the heart. After the ECMO pump took over for his heart and lungs, doctors determined a triple bypass was needed and they feared brain damage. It's pretty difficult seeing a person so sick um, and so critically ill. We all try our best to provide the best care for them and hopefully hope that they pull through. They harvested a vein uh, out of my leg here for the bypass. So they took one from here and they took two from either side of my sternum. Incredibly, he did pull through. Surgery was successful and there was no brain damage. The actions of so many people making all the difference. The scar goes from here to here and it starts again from here to there, which you're not going to see. <laughs> Our much-loved global colleague did survive, and we are so thankful. It makes me emotional knowing how much, you know, one is loved, how much one is cared about out there. Uh, I think about my kids, about my wife, you know, my, my family, and I genuinely wonder what it would be like if I didn't make it. Cliff is back running again, although not at night, and Bowser, who played a key role in saving him, is always at his side. I've got a lot more life, certainly, that I want to live. Catherine Urquhart, Global News.
Great to see him up and running again, and we look forward to having you back at work soon, Cliff. Take it easy in the meantime, though. Still to come on the News Hour, the art of the adventure. I always paint better when there are extreme conditions. How a BC artist finds his inspiration in some unexpected places. And just ahead, someone will be relieved to see this. The search for the rightful owner of this ring coming up. Well, things are looking better for the wildfire situation in B.C. After a recent spike in new fires across the province, officials are now predicting a drop in activity through September. Jasmine King has more on how this wildfire season stacks up and why the public is playing an important role. A small wildfire across Okanagan Lake from West Kelowna could be seen burning today. The lightning-caused blaze was sparked on Wednesday afternoon. There has been 98,000 strikes in the province this year, resulting in a high number of fires. 85% of the uh, 889 new fire starts were indeed lightning caused. So a very busy month and uh, mainly due to lightning caused fires. The BC Wildfire Service provided an update today on the fire outlook for September. The province had a slower start to the wildfire season due to the colder temperatures and wet spring. However, that has changed in recent weeks. We actually exceeded the maximum number of fires per week that we would have otherwise seen in the past 20 years. So a very active week. Uh, however, as we move into September, we are seeing that trend starting to reduce. We're still above normal, but it's coming down. So as we move into September, I, I do see a, a continuing decreasing trend in terms of number of fires per week. Since April 1st, there has been 1,355 wildfires in B.C., and 93% of them are currently out or under control. This year, the number of wildfires is under the 20-year average, and the hectares burned is way below what was seen in previous years. We are below average, uh, sitting at about 17% of the 20-year the average for this time of year. In late August, we did see precipitation in southeast BC, which limited the growth of active fires. BCWS is expecting warmer than normal temperatures throughout September and are concerned with strong winds carrying the flames. The government says the work the public is doing to prevent the spread of fire is working. BC is experiencing one of the lowest human-caused wildfire seasons since 1950. So we're asking all British Columbians to continue the great work that you have all been doing. BCWS says a return to normal temperatures is not likely until October. Jasmine King, Global News. And of course, wildfire season not over yet. Let's bring in meteorologist Christy Gordon with a look at the forecast. Still have to be careful out there, Christy. Absolutely. So it's very, very dry. I thought I would actually just give you a quick look at August. Uh, we finished it off yesterday, as you well know. Uh, we only had 6.4 millimeters of rain at YBR. To give you perspective, 36.7 millimeters of rain is what we would typically see in August. You well know when we the P&E turns on, we tend to start to see a bit more rainfall, and we just really haven't seen that. Uh, average temperature was certainly above as well. And we're looking at the calendar. You can see a lot of zeros. The T's, by the way, is just a trace and then even when you look back into July we didn't have any rain for the last two weeks of July so it's been a good six weeks of this dry weather and we still have nothing significant in the forecast 13 records broken on Wednesday at 12 yesterday I'm expecting 
uh, what's today is Thursday. Uh, sorry, I'm getting all confused. So um, uh, then we had 12 again at, uh, today, likely more, um, but we don't have the official numbers from Environment Canada. Of course, we'll get those to you as we head into tomorrow, but I am expecting records to be broken again on Friday. So that would be four days of records. Quick look at the temperatures. It's not quite as hot as what we saw yesterday, but still the human X values out through the Fraser Valley were close to 35. And we're going to see that again tomorrow. In terms of smoke, quick look at that. We we are expecting more smoke in our region throughout the day tomorrow and then Saturday it shifts out once again. So today was a little bit better in terms of air quality, but I expect the air quality to be downgraded tomorrow to potentially just a moderate risk level. There's a look at the southern regions, mid to upper 30s, a hot one in the interior tomorrow. And for the south coast, one more hot day for our, our region as well with Humidex values at 35 away from the water. Saturday, much more comfortable. We do have a slight chance of showers at this point on Sunday. Day, but as I mentioned, still so no significant rain as in the forecast as far as we can see. That is not our central windows weather window, as you hmm. can well tell. Um, yeah, we got a little <laughs> bit of a problem there. Maybe I could show it to you at the end of the show. I'm sure. not sure. We've had an upgrade in our system, and so we've had some <laughs> issues in the last little while. Working out the bugs. All right, we'll look for it at the end of the show. Thanks, Christy. Mm -hmm. Surrey RCMP are asking for your help to find the rightful owner of a ring. It was found last April in the 7100 block of King George Boulevard by a good Samaritan who turned it into police. The ring is described as a gold Cartier 52, and there's an inscription on the inside. If it's yours, in order to claim it, you will need to prove to Surrey RCMP that you know what that inscription is as well as any other identifying marks. All right, let's bring in Barry now, who's in for Squire. It's not yours, right, Barry? Uh, you no, it's not my size. It's a little, yeah. It doesn't match my eyes. No. All right, yes, we're going to talk a bit of soccer. Yes, I do have my own. I, I haven't <laughs> lost anything. Uh, Lucas Cavallini is the Whitecaps' leading scorer. He also leads the team in really dumb fouls, and his latest will cost him at least a one-game suspension and likely a couple more than that. It's not an excuse to do stupid things like this, but you know, you don't think. A, you look you know, at that and you wonder, what was he thinking? More, well, he'll try to explain himself coming up. And later, adventure art. The BC man going to extreme lengths for his landscape paintings. All right, Barry's here with sports. Mm -hmm. Thanks so, so much. Well, there is no doubt that uh, Lucas Cavallini brings a lot of passion to the Whitecaps, but unfortunately, Cavallini's had a history of crossing the line emotionally, hurting the Whitecaps with hot-headed decisions more than he's helping. And that was the case again on the weekend when he was red-carded for stomping an opponent on the head. And now he will face further discipline, missing key games down the stretch as the Whitecaps fight for a playoff spot. For the third time this season, the Vancouver Whitecaps will be without designated player Lucas Cavallini because of suspension. On Saturday, he was shown a straight red for stepping on the back of the head of a Nashville player. It's just the frustration kicked in and, you know, sometimes when people get mad, I mean, it's not an excuse to do stupid things like this, but, you know, you don't think. And, I mean, that's what happened and I regret everything, every single second of what happened. The Caps' leading scorer with eight goals is also the most expensive acquisition in Whitecaps history, costing a $5 million U.S. transfer fee in 2019. Now his absence could cost the club a playoff spot. 
The Whitecaps lost the previous two matches in which Cavallini was suspended, 2-1 in Charlotte and 5-2 at the Galaxy. I can't afford to miss any games, especially especially when the team when the team looks up to me and there's the young guys use me as a reference. I mean, I, I can't let them down. This job is to push the teammate on trainings and not lose the the state of form that uh, that he has for the moment and uh, be ready to come back when uh, when he will be available again. Cavallini will once again have to regain the trust of his coach, teammates and the fans. This is the second time that he's seen red as a white cap. The previous occasion was after receiving a second yellow in a match against Montreal in September of 2020. Well, he's working a lot on himself, as I said, and with all the resources of the club, uh, uh, talking about seminars, mental preparation, this kind of thing. And uh, I think also it's good season in terms of numbers, in terms of uh, uh, contribution to the team, uh, has been also because of that, because of his maturity and his uh, status in the, in the locker room of kind of a silent leader, I would say. I get home and my wife, you know, is the one who, who tries to hold my ground, you know, talks to me more. I mean, we have guys in the club that talk to me, are supportive with me, so it's something I work on. But then, yeah, uh, it's something that needs to get better. So, you know, trying to improve that and it's just, you know, I love, I love what I do, uh, passion of what I do and, you know, uh, I, I hate missing games. The Denver Broncos have emptied the vault to keep Russell Wilson around, at least until he turns 40. Wilson has signed a five-year contract extension, which uh, kicks in in a couple years. It's worth $245 million. The $49 million per season average salary is second in the NFL, only behind the Packers' Aaron Rodgers' $51 million. Wilson and the Broncos will be in Seattle a week from Monday in the season opener for both teams. Quarterfinals day at the Women's World Hockey Championships in Denmark. Canada facing Sweden. Canada dominating, but just one goal to show for it. Late in the first, Jocelyn Larocque goes top shelf. 1-0 after one. Canada outshot Sweden 14-0. Second period, Canada gets some much-needed breathing room, and it's Alder Grove's Sarah Potomac with a brilliant solo dash. Blazing speed. Finishes with the deke, very Pavel Bure-like. That is a pretty goal. Sarah Potomac gives Canada a 2-0 lead. And then in the third, Potomac with the feed to Aaron Ambrose. And the defenseman will find net with her long shot. And Canada knocks off Sweden 3-0. So Canada moves on to the semifinals where they will meet Switzerland on Saturday. U.S. Open, Canada's Denis Shapovalov, second-round match against Spain's Roberto carbeas Baena, more of a clay court specialist. Shapo won the first set, second set, thought that was going to be out, left it, it was in, and he punishes himself with his own racket. Lost the set 6-4, but Dennis recovers a huge one-handed backhand winner from the baseline. That is classic Shapo right there, and then goes for the drop shot wasn't great but he recovers and hits a beautiful angle winner Shapovalov loves that New York crowd emotional player feeding off it won the set 6-3 fourth set Shapovalov in his rhythm now loads up the forehand crushes it gets the break and then cruises with the ace on match point he is moving on to the third round at the U.S. Open where he will meet Russian Andre Rublev in the third round. Seattle Mariners, con Mariners continue to roll, finished off a three-game the Tigers in Detroit this afternoon. Julio Rodriguez, the Mariners' sensational rookie, 22nd home run of the season to left. 
2-0 Seattle. And then the next man up, Ty France, who also went to the All-Star game, goes deep. Mariners win again 7-0, a season-high 15 games above 500, on track to make the playoffs for the first time since 2001. The Blue Jays had the day off. That is it for sports. All right, thanks, Barry. Up next, BC Painters Extreme Inspiration. This is BC with Jay Durant is brought to you in part by Van Cam Freightways. BC owned and operated for 75 years. Strong standing by now with a preview of what's coming up tonight at 11. Jordan. We were hearing from people who knew the Surrey man who died following an altercation with a neighbor. Manny Amar was an award winning filmmaker well known for highlighting issues around gangs and guns. Friends and acquaintances are stunned by his death. The suspect is in custody, but police are not saying what led to the altercation. Plus, the campaign to save the oldest building on the North Shore. Details at 11. Sophie? All right, looking forward to that. Thanks very much, Jordan. If you think of landscape artists calmly sitting at the beach in front of an easel, think again. Jada Rent has the story of a BC painter who goes to extreme lengths to find his inspiration. Canvas, paint, brushes, and survival gear. Everything a wilderness landscape artist needs. I always paint better when there are extreme conditions. Dominic Modlinski has had some wild experiences traveling to far-off regions. We are going to La Paz, crazy. Kayaking, backpacking, off-roading, um, being on an um, uh, icebreaker. Opening up a world that he sees a bit differently than others. And the doors and the windows are all elongated trapezoids. As a kid, Modlinski spent a lot of time in the outdoors near Warsaw. And that's where he developed his sense of adventure that he now pushes to the extreme for his art. Once you get home, then you actually scratch your head. Gee, I done that. That's uh, could have uh, could have turned up problematic, you know. It has taken him to some of the most remote corners of six different continents. El pueblo es places that only the locals know how to access. Each journey filled with some unforeseen challenges, random diversions, and some pretty terrifying passes. Sometimes we would drive literally a suspension bridge made of you know small planks and hope for the best. Little detour. All for the chance to immerse himself in these amazing landscapes. It feeds my soul and feeds my mind and my heart. Butterflies, birds, and stinking hot. Despite the elements, altitude sickness, tipped boats, and broken bikes, this artist has a lot of exploring still to do to capture a world few see with their own eyes. You know, those are the type of adventures which I think makes my uh, painting and my story much richer. Jay Durant, Global News. And if you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC, don't forget to email your ideas to Jay. This is BC at globalnews.ca. All right, did you get the weather window figured out, Christy? Yes, and my apologies, everyone. As I said, we had an upgrade to our system. I'm still trying to figure it all out right now. Uh, but here it is. Weather window coming to you from Whistler. Great shot. This is from the Alpine, which is gorgeous right now. Lots of flowers in the Alpine and a great way to get outdoors. You know, I was thinking, Sophie, we don't get very many photos from the Whistler area, and I think it's because everyone's outside biking or hiking, <laughs> uh, which is what you and I should be doing this weekend. How about that? I'm looking forward to uh, cooling off just a little bit this weekend, but it still looks good. All right, thanks for that. And thank you for joining us tonight, everyone. That's all the time we have. Have a great night.